it's a rare occasion that I can uh, go ahead and uh, come to this meeting and just had to make sure got a few things settled or settled around. When I start a share, I always like to say emphatically, I am a compulsive overeater. Um, and it's not for you. <laughs> it's, it's for me. Um, over the last 40 years, I've seen a lot of people leave meetings um, because they forgot that. Um, uh -huh. They forgot that they would um, uh, could easily go back. They forgot that taking that one compulsive bite, um, you're on for the ride. I used to um, talk about it as being the um, roller coaster at Santa Cruz. Now, you have to understand, I do not like roller coasters. Um, and my older cousins, uh, when I was young, about 12 years of age, got me on that roller coaster. Um, I don't know how it's rigged now, but it used to be a wooden ramp that went up. And there was a rope in the middle where you could cross under and walk down. But man, once you got in that car seat, you were on for the ride. The bar came down and you were stuck there. Uh, no matter how much you wanted to get up, uh, no matter how much you wanted to get out, no, much, no matter how much you screamed. Um, and that was life for food for me. Physically, when I got out of that roller coaster, in actuality, I had bruises on both of my shins where I tried to crawl underneath the seat. Um, my soul had a lot of bruises on when I first came to, to OA, and they have since, since been healed. I started life out um, in the Gerber generation. Uh, and if you're too young to remember what a Gerber baby looks like, then you're young enough that you can Google it. Uh, and I was a scrawny kid, um, born to a mom who went through the depression, uh, born to a generation that adored food. And the greatest sin in the world is that that plate was not clean when you left the table. But me, I was, my, my leg was the size of my mom's thumb and my thumb is bigger than my mom's thumb or was my thumb today is bigger than my my mom's thumb was and so i was encouraged to eat and i was encouraged to overeat don't believe today that's the reason i became a compulsive overeater but i do know that was the mechanism of it and how important it was i've had people say or people think that we who are compulsive overeaters are somehow you know, fat and stupid kind of kind of looks or or expressions. I happen to think we're the smartest people in the world because we grabbed at something and was able to make it work for us. We grabbed for something and allowed it to soothe us from from the very beginning. Uh, the trouble was, it turns uh, tends to turn on us, and it wasn't long before where this whole thing kind of turned. Uh, by the time I was eight or nine, uh, I was chunky, but my I come from a chunky background. I call it the, the German brick house. I mean, just built straight up and down. Uh, but that wasn't okay. Um, 
Mom, bless her heart, uh, beautician, owned her own shop, and looks was everything. It, I think it was part of her generation, but I think it was also um, just a part of her makeup and her fear that somehow I wouldn't be enough. Um, I wouldn't uh, get a man. I wouldn't have a, a good life uh, because I, I wasn't um, slimmer than most people. But um, by the time I was nine or ten, uh, I had gone to the doctor. I had been put on amphetamines to, as it was in that time, uh, at uh, to help quell down my eating. Um, it only made me eat more, um, and it only made me eat faster, uh, as amphetamines tend to do. Um, and it only made me hide more and be more shameful about about eating. So I continued to gain more and more weight. Um, uh, <laughs> now I look back on it uh, at five, six, and 160 pounds. I was not overweight, but I sure thought I was, and that I sure thought I was totally unacceptable. So I went through high school, I went through college, went out in the working world, and the weight just kept coming up and up. Got pregnant, had a baby, of course, then got pregnant again and had another uh, another baby. My kids are only 14 and a half months apart. Found myself at home. Uh, my only real consolation was food. Uh, we were on food stamps. Uh, and so that meant we had food stamps for four because I had the two babies. Uh, and it's amazing amount of junk you can buy uh, if that's what you buy. And I did it for comfort. Um, I did it because I had to, and I did it without even thinking about it. Um, I got up, I started eating, I ate throughout the whole day, throughout the whole night, um, waited till the family got in bed in order to, to eat. Very, very hidden eater. Uh, in the midst of this, um, and with the two kids as preschoolers driving me crazy throughout the day, as one can imagine, two kids that close together would, I, uh, a friend happened to say, I'm going to this eating club meeting. I said, well, what do they do? Have you ever tried to explain to somebody what we do at this meeting? The best, best description I ever saw was a, a teenage boy uh, who had come to the meeting as a compulsive overeater. Uh, obviously, he was kind of obvious <laughs> because uh, we are not made up of a lot of teenage boys. But his description was um, they come in, they set up these chairs. They talk to each other when they're setting up the chairs. Then they get a piece of paper and they all read it together like they're talking. And then somebody talks and then somebody else talks. And then they all say what they think is a prayer. They talk together and then they walk out and they talk in the parking lot. <clears throat> I think that's probably <laughs> about the best description of what we do not, in the not on the natural plane. So getting very 
exhausted, my friend, of trying to explain what this was. Um, she said magic words to me, two, two, two sentences. Number one, I will pick you up and take you because we didn't have any extra gas. Uh, and um, the second sentence was, it's free. You know, it's, it's not something where you have to sign in, you have to pay, because I didn't have any money to sign in and pay. So I went to my first meeting. Those of you who know me well, or have heard my story before, you know, you know what happened to me at that first meeting. I was going into a very liberal meeting. They did not say higher power. Uh, they barely could groan out HP. Um, they definitely did not say God. And nobody, I, I was there for a couple of years. I don't even think I heard anything like Jesus or anything. Um, so that, that I'm sitting in the meeting and they're saying HP and HP. Now, don't get too far ahead of me, but the only HP I knew was Hewlett Packard because I was in the community and used Hewlett Packard monitors. I truly thought this meeting was turning their life and will over to the care of Hewlett Packard. And one amazing thing was that's what my thinking was. The other amazing thing was they had so much love and they had both the solution and the problem like I, I felt it that I was willing to turn my life over to Hewlett Packard as we walked out of the meeting. Uh, in fact, as we walked out, she said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, what, why are all these people turning their lives over to Hewlett Packard and how can I do it? So I, I rarely use that, the initials HP without th thinking about that. Um, but it has left me hopefully in a sensitive place to the newcomer that we use a lot of jargon uh, and try to make sure that somebody understands, you know, what you're saying about the program, because we use things that nobody else uh, tends tends to use. Um, I think it's most important what they didn't say at the meeting. They didn't say I could go on and go into the meeting and enjoy the fellowship without recovering. They said, hey, you want to recover? This is how you do it. And they walked me through the steps with a great deal of immediacy. Um, I can remember in the first few months doing a lot of journaling. Um, and uh, the my fifth step waited for a sponsor. I had many, many sponsors. They all binged out on me. Um, and I was desperate. So I said to God, you know what? This is what I want to sponsor. Um, I wanted to be a businesswoman because I'm I dress kind of frumpy, so I want somebody who can emulate unfrumpiness for me. Uh, I want somebody who's ten years older than I am. I want somebody who is a Christian because it's it's a lot easier not to have to try to translate. Uh, I want uh, somebody who uh, is um, single because I'm up to here with these little kids and I don't want 
um, them to, um, I want somebody who's, who's free in their schedule more than I am. Uh, within the month, uh, my sponsor came. God moved my sponsor from Maine to California and had every aspect I would ever want in a sponsor. And um, she was sarcastic, which was helpful. Um, and I, I tease when I say that, but, but it's true. Because sometimes I can hear things in sarcasm, sarcasm that I can't hear directly. And she'd let me go on forever talking about how things were so bad or how this was so hard. And then she'd get very quiet and she'd quietly say, when you hurt bad enough, you will change. And it was an expression of hope. It was an expression of faith. It was an understanding that things um, uh, do hurt bad enough. So I'm going to fast forward with through what happened because I don't know. All I know is today when I get up first thing in the morning, it's like, well, my first thought in the morning is I got to pee. But as I'm going down the hallway, it's like, God, you first in my life, and then help me to keep remember it's you, and then me in, in my life. And it's so much simpler. I don't have to have the sun in the morning or the moon at night. I don't have, have to get everything straight and right and perfect. Um, I can make mistakes. I own my mistakes and, and correct them um, as as well. And I've noticed that any time that I'm not happy, joyous, and free, um, it's something that's going on with me, and I need to take a look at it and be re responsible uh, for it. I'd like to take just a couple minutes and look at um, the traditions. Uh, because recently, I've, I, I, it just dawned on me that our traditions are as important to us as the steps, and that uh, we also, um, in the traditions, we go for unity, and we go to find God. It's not good enough to have just a good answer, or even the best answer. But together, we always work together to get a God answer in what we're doing. Um, and I am happy to report for the first time in 40 years, I've actually been on the right side, the winning side of a group conscience. Because I used to laugh because I always had the contrarian side of every single one. But the most important is the contrarians get to talk and everybody gets to come together. With that, uh, I, I will pass and give this back uh, to Mary Sue. Thank you for allowing me to share at length. So um, I'm in H. I am a recovered compulsive overeater food addict. That's very new for me to say. Um, I've worked the 12 steps or step one through step nine once. That's all I've ever done it. I live in step 10, 11, and 12 every single day. And you have heard in this group me say so many times living in the steps, 
keeps me recovered. And guys, I'm here to telling you that going to meetings are so encouraging. My journaling is so encouraging. Um, my phone calls, my connection with my sisterhood in that I have met in this group, they are all motivating me and encouraging me, but I find recovery in one thing, and that's working the 12 steps every single day. And Bill W. says, if we work them to the best of our ability, we cannot help but recover. That's the good news I have for you today, and I'm going to focus on how to do step 10. So repeat with me, step 10, ladies, get it in your head. Step 10 is continue to take personal inventory. And when we are wrong, not if, when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Who can tell me what the spiritual principle is here? I can, because I have it memorized. I do it every day. It's personal uh, perseverance. So everything I'm going to share with you is not ends. Everything I'm sharing with you is my personal studies from uh, AA 12 and 12, OA 12 and 12, and our great big book. And so if there's anything in here that you disagree on, don't say you disagree with NH because this is not personality. This is program, complete program. I'm going to tell you what I first found out. I found out that there's four ways that the big book tells us to take personal inventory. There are four different types of personal inventory. The first one is called spot check inventory. Now, spot check inventory is taken anytime during the day, whenever I'm going to uh, speak in first person, whenever I find myself getting tangled up in life. You know, it's quick review of my actions, my thoughts, and my motives, period. I find that spot check inventory is a very common thing for me. It helps me stay emotionally balanced when my emotional pendulum, pendulum is swinging to the right or to the left. And most of us food addicts or compulsive overeaters know what it's like to live with our emotional pendulum swinging. So when I have a problem, as our sister Vicki said, it's usually my problem and I got to get busy with spot check inventory. Um, my sponsor tells me often, let's see how fast we can promptly admit it, surrender it and let it go. So I ask God for help in correcting me with my mistakes. That's my spot check inventory. There's another inventory that they talk about in the big book, and that's the end of the day inventory. And I call this evaluation time. It's a review of the happenings of the day. I, being in business, consider this my balance sheet. You know, I credit the jobs that. I've done well when the day, I claim them. I also credit the jobs that, the things that I really didn't do so well, I claim them. But you know what? As I have been walking this program for 
little over a year and a half now, I realized that um, some of my biggest assets, the jobs are the things I didn't do so well. Those are the things that, that I grow in. Those are the things that draw me to God, that my higher power, or HP, not Hewlett Packard, but higher power that I claim that I need help with. And I, I show gratitude for the things that I have changed in my life and that I did well. So my end of the day inventory is almost a balance and check sheet of, of my day. Um, then I find a third um, inventory that the big book talks about, and it's called the sponsor inventory. It's a careful review of my progress. So my sponsor and I, we do inventory when I weigh. My doctor told me to weigh twice a month. I know OA says once a month, but I weigh on the first and the 15th of every month. And my sponsor and I pretty much, you know, we talk twice a week. And when I am in my scheduled talk with my sponsor, I do a very loose sponsor inventory. I tell her how I did on the scale. I tell her the things that have popped up in the last 15 days. I talk about anything that used to be reoccurring, any of those character defects that I have worked so hard to surrender that I've had victory on. I talk about the things I still need help on. I ask her advice. And the funny thing about it is my sponsor usually leaves me with a challenge during these sponsor sponsee talks she might say and you might want to take that to two-way prayer you might want to journal this or have you thought about this and that leads me to digging deeper into my recovery um, so that's what sponsor inventory is now i find another inventory in the big book and the aa 12 and 12 and that's called the annual or semi-annual inventory. That's the occasional retreat from the outside world where I can go and quiet down for an undisturbed day or self-overhaul and meditation. You know, a few months back, I found myself circling around in the controlling, ruminating thoughts. They popped up. I had no idea. Just one day I woke up and it was like the old Ann popped right in. I opened my eyes and I saw before me a to-do list and a checklist of 30 or 40 things to do. That was the old way Ann woke up every single day. Instead of lifting up in prayer to God, I immediately opened my eyes and my brain started going, what do I need to do to accomplish today? And I started ruminating about that. That was an indication to me that I needed to shut down. I needed to relax. I needed to set apart some time. Very next day, I cleared my schedule and took a sick day, found myself at the beach. All I did was prayer, meditation, and look at the water. 
That's all I did. And I watched the sunset come and I drove home and I felt better. You know, um, that's the four, um, the four ways of doing a step 10 that I found in the big book, that I found in the um, 12 step OA and AA. Challenge you to find more ladies. I'm sure I missed something. So how do I start my step 10? Well, let me step back. Step 10 starts in AA and the big book with a very clear warning. Where's my big book? What did I do with my big book? I wanted to read the um, something to you. So the warning is that the promises are ours as long as we keep in spiritual fit condition. So what are the promises, guys? Got them memorized? I really don't. But so I got to read my big book to you. You find them on page 83, write them down, print them out, post them someplace. We are compulsive people. And I don't know about you, but I have memory relapse so much. I can read these today and forget them the minute I leave. When I was recovering, I had to have things in front of me. I had to see them. I had to claim them. And that's what my sponsor encouraged me to do too. Here are the promises found on page 83. They're at the end of step nine. And it says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We are not going to regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. And no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Here's a good one. Self-seeking slips away. Our whole attitude and outlook on life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. And then finally, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Wow, that's how I want to live. I want to live with these promises. What do you guys want? Do you guys want to live in our addiction or do you want to live in your promises? The big book tells us, quote, when we are drunk, I claim not abstinent with my food. When we are drunk, we cannot live well today emotional hangovers, the excess of negative emotions, such as anger, fear, and jealousy, directly influence my daily life and my serenity. Now, I claim that as the old way that I lived. So now, it also says in the AA 12 and 12 that we compulsive, or the OA 12 and 12, we compulsive overeaters, find that living the 12 steps is a hard way to live. Can you guys say amen to yourself? 
amen to that. Um, I never did searching, soul searching. It was too hard. It was too painful. But guess what? Bill W. says that learning how to search deep and to stay spiritually fit is the solution to our addiction. So if we don't keep spiritually in spiritually fit condition, what does that tell us? It tells us we're going to relapse. Our mental obsession will return. Addiction will once again take over. We will not have those promises that step nine claims for us. And we will become insane again. Here's the question. How do we stay? How do we keep in that fit spiritual condition? I'm sure you guys have read the big book many, much more than I have. I'm sure my sponsor has. But I hear Bob W's summary of the 12 steps in my brain. I wake up to this phrase. It's Bill W says, clean house, trust God, help others. So we find that once we've recovered, and I'm claiming I've worked the first nine steps to the best of my ability, to the to the most surrender that I could possibly do in the moment with help of fellows and my sponsor, that's the best I could do. Now to stay recovered, I have to be clean in house, trusting God and helping others. So what does clean house sound like? Step 10, right? What's step 11? Trusting God. And what's step 12? Helping others. So step 10, 11, and 12 is how Anne is going to stay spiritually fit, how the big book tells all of us to stay spiritually fit. Okay, so now that we all know why we're gonna stay, why, why we need to stay spiritually fit, I'm gonna tell you how I start my step 10. I always start with prayer. I can't do it, pretty much God can. So pretty much my prayer says something like this, it changes, but um, I'm sure I got this right out of uh, the AA um, uh, prayers. There's a list, check them out online. I'm sure I revised them. I'm sure it's not completely the way it is, but this is Anne's version of her step 10. Okay, God, I need you to help me continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. I need you to help me take honest spot check inventory of myself, no one else. Help me make, help me to correct my mistakes. Help keep me responsible for my actions. Help me to be aware of any negative defeating attitudes or behaviors. Keep my willingness at check. Help me to remember that I need you for everything. Help me to keep love and tolerance as my code and help me to have your will, not mine, done. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. That's pretty much how I start. Sometimes I don't start the same way, but I always start in prayer. Figure out your own prayer. It's just this is something we can't do for ourselves. 
you guys got to figure it out. So now next thing I always do is I remind myself that whatever I find here in this step, and some of the stuff's been pretty crappy, I don't need to be discouraged from what I find. Because if I find anything undesirable, I am no longer the perfect Anne. That was Anne before recovery. Anne wanted 100% of it all. And you know what? That was a lie. That was what my addiction looked like. Now Anne says, I'm going to strive for a little progress tomorrow. So I'm going to do a step 10 today. And that progress is what my recovery looks like. So I hope that's helpful to you. I want to tell you why I do step 10s, not just those promises, but I want to maintain my abstinence. If you hear my conversations with my sponsor, you will always hear how in the world am I going to live an abstinent life for the rest of my life. It's a fear I have. I have to do my spot check inventory on that fear. I have to continually grow spiritual. How am I going to do that? But I know that my spot check inventory keeps me out of myself and keeps me in an honest check with what's going on. Sort of another reason why I do it is to keep my house, which I'm saying my inner being in check in order. A big thing is, you know, before I came into OA, I thought I was perfect, didn't have any flaws. Then I come into OA and my sponsors like points out, uh, and you've got some major character defects here that you can be working on, sister. Why don't we start working on them? Guess what? Spot check inventory, step 10 inventory really helps me to be honest and identify my character defects. None of us are perfect. Our names aren't God. And the bottom line is to grow and to stay spiritually fit. We have to grow in our defects. And uh, my sponsor has a way of saying stuff like, um, you know, and your biggest assets can be some things that really at one time were your defects. So, you know, I'm, I'm checking that out. I'm keeping that open mind there. Um, another reason why I stay in step 10 every day, I want to be sober. I want those promises. I want emotional balance. You guys hear me talk about that emotional pendulum swing. I lived that every day, multiple times a day. When I spot check, do my spot check inventory, I don't swing back and forth. Um, this gift of peace and serenity, it's real. I, I, I was as surprised as probably some of you were, but it's real. And then finally, like one of Anne's personal thing is I have found that step 10 keeps me having a good purpose under day-to-day -day pressure. So um, I wanted to offer those thoughts to you. I want you guys, I encourage you all to think about why you want to do a step 10. My sponsor chuckles at me. I'll say, I'll give it a try for 30 days. That's all I ever claimed to do anything. If it didn't work after 30 days, I stopped doing it. And then one day she said, Ann, why don't you just try to do it a little different? And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. You know, cause I was all or none. 
now I figured this is a lifetime thing for me because it really works. I hope it works for you. So here's how the big book instructs us to do step 10. The big book tells us to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. What does that sound like to you guys? Step ten, four, right? So when these things crop out up, we ask God to remove them at once. So what's that tell you? That's step six and step seven, right? So then we, then the big book tells us in step 10, discuss it with someone else. You guys know what step that is, step five. And then we make amends as quickly as we can. And what's that? You know, um, uh, let me see, wait a minute. As quickly as we can, if we have harmed someone. So that's our step eight and nine. And then we resolutely, it says, turn our thoughts off ourselves and onto someone else so that we can help them. So that's our step 12. I've also found personally that making the living amends along with my step 10 inventory really goes a far, a long way. So I want to offer you that. So as you guys hear, step 10 is really working the steps four through nine. This is what I mean. Once again, when you hear that I'm saying that I'm living in the 12 steps, I do exactly what we did in step four through nine, except now I'm recovered. I've already worked them once. And now I'm using the steps for a different purpose, not to recover, but to stay recovered. And there's the secret there. Now I'm going to screen share something with you. Let me just get to it. Um, I wanted Bar I wanted Barbara to screen share it. Let me just see if I can do that right now. I can do that, Anne. Oh, good. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate it because I got so much going. Barbara's going to screen share a checklist that it's not Anne's, it's the big books. And I pulled this checklist. This is when I need to uh, go to step 10 checklist. I believe it's the third thing. This will be available to anybody that wants to print them out and use them. Um, this information is not mine. This is all from the big book. And as you see, they're from the bedevilments and the doctor's opinions. Here's what I do. Here's my checklist. This is when Anne knows she needs to get into step 10. Am I restless, irritable, discontented? Am I having problems with a personal relationship? Um, can I not control my emotions at this time? Am I pray to feel in misery or depression. Can I not make a living today? Do I not feel like working? Uh, do I have feelings of uselessness? Am I full of fear? Am I unhappy? And um, am I not real help to other people? Is my food getting wonky or my portions getting wonky? So if I answer yes, and by the way, bedevilments and the doctor's opinion, in the big book, you can just Google that if you've not ever come across these. You can Google AA doctor's opinion and it will give you exactly the what I'm talking about, where these 
things came from. So what do I do with this checklist? So when I first started doing my step 10 spot check, this was printed out on my desk. This was printed out and put on the island in my kitchen. This was by my phone. If I answered yes to one of these questions, then I knew it was time for me to clean house again. Step 10. If I become emotionally unbalanced anytime throughout the day, it's spot check step 10. These are the questions that I ask myself. And if I say yes to any of them, I don't deny it anymore. I don't say, oh, well, I can do it later. Oh, well, you know, that other person, blah, blah, blah. No, Anne claims that she has some restlessness or some irritability. And then is told that she is responsible to do a step spot check. And remember our reasons why. I want to stay recovered. I don't want to live in the food and the misery that the food cost me for so many years. And it's time. Very good. So here's what I do. I use that spot check. Uh, Barbara, will you bring up the inventory log real fast? This inventory log will also be offered to you. This is my inventory log, how I, what I look for. Um, Barbara, if you scroll down, you will see both weaknesses and strengths, and you'll see the days of the week. When I do a spot check inventory, ladies, I check them off. I, I claim what I need help with so I can see a pattern. And the very last one is the AEIOU plus three. My friend Barbara put me on this one and um, I do this at night. This is my end of night inventory that I use for um, uh, to stay spiritually fit. Um, guys, this is what living in the 12 steps is to me take what you can, leave the rest is what the big book tells us. Um, I offer it to you. I also offer to you if anybody wants to talk any further about it in more detail, I'm more than happy. Feel free to print out these forms that I made. Um, and I wish you all recovery. And we're here together to get better. So thanks so much. That's it.